No other king could vanquish the war horse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with the reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for. The one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. There is no other king like him. There is no other king. Let's sing together this morning. I searched the 
Hey, before y'all sit down, if there's an empty seat between you in the middle of your section, if you'll move in, we've still got people coming in. We don't wanna waste any empty chairs. And after you've done that, have a seat. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter fellowship. We're so glad to see y'all this morning. So glad to see our family of faith. And I especially wanna welcome our guests. We're so glad that you've decided to spend part of your Easter here with us celebrating the risen King. My name's Michael, and I serve on the community team. I'm so glad to see all y'all. So glad to see so many kids. Where are the kids at? Any kids in here? Yeah, we're glad you're here. This is one of the few days of the year we all get to worship together. Hey, I want to just remind y'all of a few things. If you're new, um, if you'd like to learn more about fellowship, if you'd like to have somebody follow up with you, just take out your phone, hit that QR code. It'll take you to a, to a uh, form you can fill out. We'd love to get to know you and, and tell you a little bit more about how you can get connected. There's a lot going on at Fellowship Fayetteville. Every week, our family team works to create worship and small group experiences for kids, for students. Our students meet in cell groups and homes. They go on mission trips. Our college team, we have an incredible college team. They have a Sunday night worship service. They have small groups. They have a summer institute plan. And for adults, we have small groups that meet in homes and on campus all throughout the week, all over Northwest Arkansas. Our women's ministry is currently signing up people for their summer study. The men's ministry, we have a speaker coming in Friday as we continue our fourth Friday series. We have a golf outing coming up. You can learn about all that and more just by hitting that QR code, going to the website. We would love for you to get connected with us at Fellowship Fayetteville because we're here to celebrate our King, Jesus, and to see him change lives. And speaking of life change, we're going to celebrate it in a really tangible way this morning. Let me introduce you to my friend, Greg Martin. Greg, today's an exciting day. It is. Thank you, Michael. A uh, very exciting day for our family. And my, like Michael said, my name is Greg Martin. This is my wife, Betsy. And I don't think there could be a more fitting day than Easter to celebrate and acknowledge our need for a Savior and what Jesus has done for us by coming to earth, dying on the cross for our sins, and then rising again, conquering death, and giving us the ability to have a relationship with him. And that's what we're going to do this morning, and you'll see it tangibly through baptism. So, Landon, I'm going to have you turn around. This is my son, Landon. He is 15 years old, and when he was young, he would inquire routinely about what does it mean to be a Christian. And over time, we shared the gospel with him, and he prayed and accepted Christ as his Savior. So, Landon... Is it your testimony before this church that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and that you want to follow him? Yes. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ with baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. 
slippery steps. <laughs> okay, this is my daughter, Anna Claire. Anna Claire is 14, and much like her brother, when she was young, she asked what it meant to follow Jesus. And we talked about that, and in her room one night, she prayed and accepted Christ as her Savior. So, Anna Claire, is it your testimony before this church that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and that you want to follow him? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in newness of life. <clears throat> and this is my youngest daughter, this is Manning. And Manning is 10 years old. Manning grew up coming here to fellowship and also going to Canacuck. And came home one night and said, Dad, I want to follow Jesus. And we had a prayer in her room as well, and she came to know Jesus. So, Manning, is it your testimony before this church that you've accepted Christ as your Savior and that you want to follow him? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Yeah. 
sending your son to live the perfect, sinless life, to give his life on a cross, to defeat sin and death, and raise from the grave so that we can find life in you and find it complete and full. God, thank you for the love that we see in your son. It's in his name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good morning, church family. He is risen. He is risen indeed. My name is Clark. If I haven't met you, I serve as one of our staff here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and we're incredibly grateful to have a whole family here packed in this room on this Easter uh, 2022. The offering plates are about to be passed. They are being right now, and just so you know, if you are a guest today, you can pass on that, okay, unless you just want to scramble for a dollar or two there and drop it in the plate, but uh this is something that we practice as a family of faith to uh, remind us of how grateful we are for God's provision. And so um, feel free to pass on that if you're a guest. And also, if you're a guest and you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, a tangible copy of the Bible, just so you know, when we walk out of here today, we've got copies available for you at the information booth, and that's our gift to you uh, this morning. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to your phones, your devices, Turn to John chapter 11, John chapter 11. We're going to meet a family in a place called Bethany this morning, and they're grieving over the loss of a family member, and Jesus is going to bring resurrection hope uh, to this scene. It reminded me as I was studying through this passage, and we're also going to be in John chapter 20, so you might put your thumb over there as well. Um, about a year ago, just over a year ago, Within a 34-day window, God saw it fit to take my mother and father to be home with him. And so in these 34 days, there was an experience that I began to just go through as the oldest son. What just happened? And what is my response? And what do I believe about what just happened? I have an opportunity both at Catherine's Place um, here in Fayetteville and at Washington Regional to sit alone with my mother and father for about 15 to 20 minutes and just reflect and just be alone with them and to reflect on their life and the joys and the struggles and the fears and the challenges. And I had uh, just a sense of emotion of sadness and loss and I felt a little bit unfinished as well. Some of you have been in those moments. I also had this overwhelming sense in the room of these two things. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Some of you have been there this year. And you've been in that room or you've been at a graveside moment. And I, I said to myself, death is an imposter. But I also had this thought. Mom and dad are at home. See, home for those who call Jesus king is the presence and the peace of him in the moment because he lives inside of us through his spirit. Wherever Jesus is, that's where home is because the promises we have in Scripture 
I believe that they had trusted Jesus and his death on the cross for them and believed in his resurrection that they were finally at home. Weeks later, we made our way down to Arkansas County and Lone Star Cemetery there in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And we celebrated my mom's life. And then we made our way over here to just south of town to the Dow Memorial Cemetery, Cemetery to celebrate my dad's life. And as I stood over that, uh, those, that, that graveside with my family and we celebrated, um, I felt like God was asking me this question. Clark, you've presided over funerals. You've done memorial services. You've been at gravesides for other families. Do you believe this? Or is this just some coping mechanism that we use to make ourselves feel good because of the pain of losing someone? Clark, do you believe this? Believe what? This statement that one of my sons read at the service. As we affirm godly biblical truths, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Clark, in this moment, you've believed it for other people. Do you believe it? And that's my question to us this morning on this Easter Sunday. Some of you need some Easter hope this morning. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So many of you this morning have experienced maybe a, a brush with your own mortality this past year. You may be staring down a test this week that you're, you're, you're waiting to hear the results back from, and there's some unknown and some concern, and you need to hear Easter resurrection hope this morning. And if you're like me, just watching the news, you feel like we need some hope, right? And if we're going to experience the fullness of what Jesus accomplished in the resurrection and understand that it's not just for when we pass, but it's to infuse our life right now and experience the abundant life that he has for us. Today, we're going to meet a family just like many of us who are grieving the loss of a loved one. And they were asked that question, do you believe this? Last week, we reflected on the death of Jesus and what the cross meant and the finished work to pay for our sins. And today, we hear him and his claim. Today, we see him through eyewitness accounts of those who saw the resurrection and we consider what it means to believe in him. What does that word mean and what does John mean by that in his gospel? We're going to pick it up in uh, chapter 11, verse 1, as we're going to meet this family. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus had become friends, very dear friends with Jesus as he made his way, beginning in his ministry, to the cross. You see him uh, interacting with Mary and Martha in some other scenes in the New Testament. Their brother Lazarus was sick. And in fact, though, in our story we learn, twice Lazarus is mentioned as one that Jesus dearly loved. We'll see that later when Jesus weeps and experiences this righteous indignation towards death and loss. By the time Jesus makes his way to the tomb uh, to, to, to mourn and to be with this family and bring his presence to, to him, uh, Lazarus has been dead four days now. Okay, And so he's grieving uh, with his family. He begins to interact with them. And I'd like everyone in the room, if you can, if you're able, stand with me as we're going to read our core passage today. John eleven twenty three. 23, Jesus said to him, 
your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, and hear her affirmation of faith, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. These are the true words of God. You may be seated. Do you hear his claim? I am the resurrection in the life. And in our previous weeks in our I Am series, we've met the bread of life. We've met the light of the world. We've also met the door to the sheep. We've met the good shepherd who lay down, lays down his life. And today, we hear this promise, I am the resurrection. We move forward into the story. They make their way as they stand before the tomb of Lazarus. And some of Lazarus's friends have gathered around and it says that they rolled away or they took away the stone. Somewhat of a prequel to what's coming in the later resurrection. And Jesus lifted his eyes and he speaks to his father. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this out loud on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said to these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus hears him. And the man who had died came out and his hands and his feet were bound. And you can picture him shuffling and he's come out of the tomb and, and he's, he's walking and the color's coming back into his body and the, his friends and family are gathered around and they've never seen anything like this. It's the resurrection of a dead man and Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. And by, which by the way, no offense to Garland Autry and Brian Pope, we know you have great sermon illustrations, but this is the best one ever, all right? To like make, to make a claim and then raise your friend back to life. I mean, how cool is that? Incredible sermon illustration. And as Jesus prays to the Father, the Father hears him. As he cries out to Lazarus, Lazarus hears him. And so our question for us, do you hear his claim this morning? I am the resurrection and the life. Not only do you hear him, but do you see him? Consider these witnesses who were there, not all followers of Jesus, but some. It's fascinating as the story unfolds. John gives us a detailed account of people and places who were there present to see this miracle. Mary of Bethany, Martha, Lazarus, the disciples. Thomas is mentioned. Of all the disciples, imagine that. We're going to come back to him here in just a little bit. Many of the Jews, it says, believed him. The chief priests, the Pharisees, Caiaphas. He gives us detail. These people were eyewitnesses. They saw the miracle. They saw Jesus perform this great act. But you know, this wasn't the only sermon illustration he was going to give them. You might call this a prequel Easter moment for them. Because later, go ahead and turn to John Chapter 20, we find another tomb on Easter morning. We have another death. We have, actually have another Mary present as well, Mary Magdalene. There's crying. There's some doubting. We've got witnesses. But this tomb, no one's in it. And it's what we celebrate on this day, early on the first day of the week, John 20, verse 1. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. She saw the stone that had been removed from the entrance 
She panics. Out of consternation, she runs to Peter. She exclaims, someone has taken the Lord and we don't know where they've took him. Peter starts for the tomb, as did the disciple whom Jesus loved, is how John talks about himself. What I think is pretty cool to label himself like that. They begin to the tomb, uh, and in verse four it says both were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And so if you've ever wondered who had the fastest 40 time in the disciples, it was John. All right, he ran a 4-1-2. How about that? Yeah. He bent over, he looks in, strips of linen lying there. He doesn't go in, but Simon, we know Simon, his foot is always in his mouth, or his foot is always the first one forward. It's the same here. He actually goes in. John just peeks in. Peter steps in. It emboldens John, and then he walks in, and it says in verse 8, he sees and believes. By the way, John was the only one by name that we know of that was at the cross. He saw the death of Jesus with Jesus' mother. Now he's here. He sees and believes. He's closed the book on what belief in Jesus is now. The death, the resurrection, he's seen uh, both events. And then we find the disciples later on in the day, later on on that resurrection Sunday, that afternoon. They're gathered in a room, and they're trying to help a young man named Thomas who, by the way, was with Lazarus as well, struggling with doubt. They say, we've seen the Lord. Do you see him? And this is what Thomas says. I think he represents many of us in the room. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands that put my finger where his nails were, put my hands in his side, I will not believe. Later, a week later, they're battling with Thomas again. Jesus shows up in the room. Peace be with you, he says. And then he looks at Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. Stop being unbelieving, Thomas. Trust, believe. I've done what I said I was going to do, and now I'm standing in the midst of you. We're a lot like Thomas, aren't we? We needed two compelling sermon illustrations, two resurrections. Later, other disciples would also see Jesus. And then Paul affirms in 1 Corinthians 15 that over 500 people in one gathering got to see the risen Christ walking among the crowds. Jesus presses in to his doubt. And he, it warrants a response. It warrants a response. If we've heard the claim and we've seen what he's accomplished in his resurrection, then what is our response? And what are those implications? C.S. Lewis says it like this, Jesus has forced open a door that's been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king to death. Everything is different because he's done so. Everything is different. These are some of the things that are different because of the resurrection, because if the resurrection did not take place, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is empty. It's futile. It's not worth depending on. It cannot be trusted. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then you're still in your sins. And you're going to experience the payment, the death of those sins. You're going to experience the consequences of God's judgment and punishment for those sins if Jesus isn't raised. If Jesus Jesus hasn't come back to to life, then this, this little fairy tale idea that you have about your loved ones who have fallen asleep, coming back to life and being raised bodily does not happen if Jesus has not been raised from the dead. But indeed, 
Christ has been raised from the dead, verse 20. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is the type of hope that 1 Peter calls a living hope. Peter, as he followed Jesus and began to help plant churches in places who didn't know Jesus, they're experiencing persecution. He's losing friends to death in physical persecution. They're being oppressed by government structures and the religious elites. And Paul's leaning into this moment of pain, and he's reminding them of the living living resurrection that we have through the resurrection of Jesus. He calls it an inheritance that we can possess. It never perishes, spoils, or fades. It's inheritance that's kept in heaven for you. You see, the resurrection, fellowship, church family, the resurrection is not something we move on from. It's actually something that we lean into in moments and circumstances of crisis and need. It's not something that we, that, we, that we walk away from so we can feel better and get on with our day. It's a hope that we live in daily. Now hear me. This morning, this living hope is the hope for every Ukrainian refugee right now wandering this planet. This morning, this living hope, did you know what? It's for Putin's Russia. But this living hope is for every anxious teenager. You know what else, parents? It's for every fearful parent as well. This is the hope we lean into. It's for every young couple who's lost a child this past year. Uh, This living hope is for every discontented retiree that you find yourself sitting here this morning. Uh, This living hope is for every sin-laden, overwhelmed, I have no hope. I can't can't get out of this sin-struggle college student. This living hope is for that. So what's our response? Well, I'm going to let the eyewitnesses tell us how we should respond. John 11. Martha, yes, Lord, I believe. This is her confession of faith. And by the way, when we believe, we confess with our mouth something to be true that we believe in our heart and we've settled in our mind and our will. They've seen the resurrection, now they believe. You are the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. Later, others would believe. Many Jews, after the miracle performed on Lazarus. In John 20, verse 8, the other disciple, we've seen John believe. And then we see Thomas. And I think his response is instructive for us this morning. This was his statement of belief. Whatever trust means, whatever reliance on Jesus means, whatever um, depending or believing or putting faith in means, for Thomas on this day, These are the five words that it meant to him, and I think it's instructive for us. My Lord and my God. Can you say that this morning? Does that capture your belief in Jesus? My Lord and my God. This word is used, believe, over 80 times in our uh, our book of John. And like I said, it means to rely on, to trust, to believe. It means to believe that he's the Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who's come to take away the sins. And in these instances, these individuals, they owned their faith. And some of you have adopted your faith. And for some of you, 
uh, it's been something that's been taught to you, but you've never owned it in your heart or owned it in your mind or relied or trusted on it. Today's that day for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, your new Lord and king that you bend the knee to, the only true God that you worship and all other gods fall aside. And if you ever never own this belief today, own it, own it today. Warren Wiersbe says it like this. When you're sick, you want a doctor and not a medical book or a formula. When you're being sued, you want a law, you're not a law book. Likewise, when you face your last enemy death, you want the Savior and not a doctrine written in a book. Hear this, church family. In Jesus, every doctrine is made personal. Own it today. Hear him. Believe him. See him for who he is. He is risen. He is risen indeed.
What a great morning to be with our church family this morning. I know many of you, have, I've sat across the table from a lot of you the last few weeks, some of you are battling to hang on to this resurrection, this living hope, and if that's where you find yourself and you need someone to pray with you, with your family, our prayer room is available to your right through these doors. If you're a guest with us today, 
Today was the fifth in 21 weeks of our study of John. We're trying to figure out here what it means to follow Jesus on this planet and what it means to celebrate him as our true king. And so we'd love for you to come back and study John with us in our series. And uh, we're super grateful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. He is risen. Let's have a great week, family of faith.